Hey, before we get to today's episode of The Mismatch, just wanted to tell you about an awesome new feed on our network, The Ringer Wrestling Show. The Ringer Wrestling Show is your guide for all things pro wrestling, and this week they discussed the classic WrestleMania 9 and reacted to the King of the Ring and Queen's Crown tournaments. If you love the Mass Man podcast, you can find it on this feed along with Mac Mania. Follow The Ringer Wrestling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in DC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Croissant, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Bomba, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin! How you doing today? It's Friday. What's up? It is Friday, and we have just a few more days until the NBA season is going to be kicking off. In fact, on Tuesday... The NBA season is going to begin, and we will be doing all of our predictions on the show on Tuesday. But we've got one more show to do before we get to prediction time. And today, we are going to ask each other five questions about the upcoming season. Before we get to that, Kevin, we have talked over the course of the past couple of weeks about Zion Williamson, the weirdness of the story of his injury, um, the fact that We didn't even know he had surgery, which is very, very uncommon for a star of his fame. And so then we find out he had surgery and then they say he's going to be ready. And then as of earlier in the week, we talked about Willie Green coming out and saying he's going to get scans in a couple of days and he hadn't started running yet. But after the scans, we'll figure it out. And then the story Comes out yesterday, foot injury is going to keep Zion Williamson sidelined for the start of the season. It says a right foot injury that required offseason surgery. Uh, Got scans on Wednesday and said they were very encouraged by the healing, but that there was no timetable. All right, Kev, what do you make of the story that has dropped this week about one of the young rising stars in the NBA? Same thing as it's been really since we first heard about it, Chris. Uh, Disappointing. 
sad, um, and also very clearly trying to sell tickets. Still, <laughs> no timeline ultimately. Like uh, they're going to play it cautiously here uh, with Zion Williamson. They're they're not going to rush him back, no matter how optimistic those scans are. Uh, he he looks a bit heavy right now. Needs to get in game shape in addition to recovering from the surgery and letting that heal. I uh, like they're they're just not going to put him on the floor until he is what they believe is 100 percent. So, I mean, for the Pelicans here, a team that wants to get into the play in tournament or a team that wants to, you know, break through and take that leap like you guys in Memphis, you are in that similar spot like you want to break through. That's what New Orleans fans feel like who steps up without Zion. Does Brandon Ingram get off to an unbelievable start to the season like is Devontae Graham? Does he, with opportunity, you know, elevate his play and 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 show what he couldn't do in the past? Is he a better at room finisher? Is he more than a shooter? Can someone like Trey Murphy pop and look like a first team all rookie guy? Like, can anybody step up on the Pelicans? Is what I'm watching for early in the year with this. This team. is what I'm going to tell you because obviously I was around him for the last couple of years, and I am aware that he is in the last year of his contract. For people that play fantasy basketball, for people that are uh, concerned about numbers, it's Valanciunas, Kevin. Watch the numbers that he puts up this year with Zion out of the lineup. I bet they're freaky. That's what I would bank on. Contract year, and now who else is grabbing? I mean, he grabbed every rebound anyway last year when he was playing for Memphis. The <laughs> yeah. numbers that that guy puts up this year could be significant. I mean, he was top five in the NBA in rebounding last year and he scored a ton of points, but I mean, they're going to have to play minutes and I, that that's the guy that I would think the numbers would increase greatly. And obviously Ingram's numbers have been very good when Zion hasn't been there. Very good. They were very good last year when he wasn't there, but here's the thing. I mean, what were you talking about? September 27th. Then if you're David Griffin, what was that? Because that was media day, okay? That's a few weeks ago. And he said he had injured his foot prior to summer league in the early part of the offseason, but added at the time, quote, his timeline should get him back on the court in time for the regular season. Now we are a few weeks later, and he says, obviously, Two to two and a half weeks from now means he will not be on the floor for the first week of games. When he is able to return safely, we will do that. Sounds like a politician. I'm used to that in politics, right? I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> right? I mean, because then you got to get in shape. Then you got to start playing with- for this. No, I'm actually going to do that. That's what that sounds like to me. Well, then you got to start playing with contact. Then you got to start. I mean, the, the shape thing is the big thing, right? I don't know if it was angles. I don't know if it was bad lighting, whatever. You, but you think he just didn't like turn and, you know, angle his body at the proper angle for him to look leaner and more muscular like he did at media day as a rookie. <laughs> the side by side side by side of the two media day pitchers rookie year and this year. It's startling. Yeah. It's like a reverse before and after. It's like me. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I, I was probably about, you know, 15, 20 pounds lighter in 2018 than I am right now. <laughs> you never had that vein running through your bicep. I promise you. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That's true. That's true. I've I've never been able to see like veins when I flex. He had like, I mean, it was crazy (laughs) to look at the 19 picture. He had like real like vascularity and you've got to be lean to pull that off. Oh, totally. Let's just say there was no vascularity in the new picture. Um, He's got to get in game shape. He's got to stay healthy. I mean, like there's so many questions here with him. This is why on Tuesday show or last week, whenever it was, I just feel bad for Pelicans fans. Like there's so much talent. There's so much, there's so much reason on this team to feel hope. There is, there's so many reasons like from Zion to Ingram to Murphy, who I absolutely love to like the flashes you've seen from Kira Lewis to the, how rock solid Josh Hart is and Valanchunas being the vet he is. You're talking about Chris. All kind of, all kind of, but then this, but then yeah, this, they kind of cleared the way for Nikhil too. And I'm a yeah. big Nikhil believer. Me too. I, I'm a fan you know? of him as well. Yeah. Without the vets in the way he, he could get some serious opportunity. Yeah. And right. Especially with Lonzo. I mean, you'd imagine with Lonzo and Bledsoe, those two guys now, Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to get his opportunity. It, like like Saturansky is going to provide some veteran, you know, a veteran presence on that team, but he's not going to block minutes necessarily. Like they no. have a good balance on the team on paper. It's just, you, you get this with Zion. That's just, it's and a here's the biggest thing. It. It's your leading scorer. It's your best player. It's the most important player on your team. It's the most important player in your franchise. And whenever the time comes that he is in shape and you can put him back on the court, we have seen this happen with a lot of guys. It is not an easy transition to just plug in somebody that has that level of usage and that you're counting on. You, you Plugging in your best guy into a team that has already gotten used to playing with each other one way. They've gone through training camp. They went through the preseason. They've gone through X number of regular season games. And then you're going to say, all right, now we're going to plug in the guy that averages over 25 points a game, averages double-digit rebounds. First time he's playing with a center that's like Valanchunas instead of a role-playing center. First time he's playing without... Alonzo and some of the guys that he's been used to playing with. Um, the guards are going to, it's going to be a different rotation. Um, and now you've got to just plug that in. And whatever way you played without Zion is simply not even close to the way you will play when he is part of your roster and part of your lineup. It's just impossible. He's not. A role player. He's not a plug and play guy. Role players, they get injured. You plug in another role player, they come back, and all of a sudden things keep on cracking. But once you get used to playing one way and then say, okay, and now here's your best player, that's tough. That's tough. It could be another lost season. You know? Well, and this is an important one. And it's an important one because it's, you know, the, this is, this is going to be extension time after this season, one way or the other. And so it's sad because this is, I mean, the number one pick a couple of years ago, and it's not like when he has played, he has been anything other than devastating. He is a great player. <laughs> he is a great player. And, and that's why, you, despite all of what we're talking about right here and all the concerns and all the worries and all the frustrations, he's still in a Pelicans uniform. And he's still 
this guy who in only the first few years of his career was already a dominant force, despite all the injuries, despite all the absences, despite all the challenges of reintegrating him into the lineup. As you're saying, he was still a dominant force who got better from year one to year two, got way better. And he could get better again in year three, despite everything we're saying. It's just, you're still having to deal with all of that with a guy who's around 300 pounds and has a significant injury history, and it's scary. Um, the other story that has come out was Kevin Durant, you know, being pretty positive that the Kyrie Irving stuff is going to work out. Um, Kyrie Irving took to Instagram Live the other night and spoke about... Did you about, watch that? Did you yes. watch them? I mean, I watched the clips. I, I watched the clips. I, so I watched, I had it on live. I had it on the background. I, I, I thought, I mean, like, put aside the content for one second. I thought it was amazing in the sense that he talked for 25 minutes straight, like a TV or podcast professional, just pouring his heart out. And right when he might be getting near the conclusion, his Instagram just freezes. <laughs> his audio <laughs> stops working. It just cuts out. And he's like giving a thumbs up to the camera, seeing if people can hear him. And nobody could like all the comments are like, can't hear you. Can't hear you. And then the video ends. I just thought it was funny. I was like, dude, if he doesn't come back from this, <laughs> there's definitely going to be a post in the conspiracy subreddit saying Kyrie Irving silenced by the Facebook Instagram powers that be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just watching that night thinking that to myself. But um, yeah, he 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 talked on Instagram for a long time. I got done watching what he said <laughs> and reading the transcript of what he said on Instagram. And I thought he'll be back playing basketball. He talked about doing what he loves. And then he talked about, you know, being a voice for the voiceless and whatever. But I mean, th- 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 this is the major part, Kevin. What I wanted to see was. How dug in are you on this? And he ain't dug in on it. Like, you watch a guy, like, to me, if you're going to take a stand, take a stand. Take a stand. This is wrong. I believe this is wrong. I don't think this should be happening. I'm not anti-vax, but I am anti-mandate. And so I'm not doing it. And somebody has to stand up against it. Now, get you could think that's goofy. I would at least, like, you know, I saw Jonathan Isaac take the podium and say whatever you want to say about Jonathan Isaac, and Lord knows people have. You cannot say he wasn't well thought out in what he was in defending his stance I mean, on the Isaac, matter. Isaac had mentioned how, like, if you've already had COVID, you have natural Correct. immunity, which is true. Fauci said in the past, like, natural immunity can be the best immunity. I mean, like, that's... You can, poke holes. Yeah. you can poke holes in what the guy said. You can be mad about what he said, but it's not a guy that hadn't put a lot of thought into what he said. Right, right or wrong, you're saying. Correct. Yeah. And you respect a guy. Like, to me, I respect a guy, even if I think sometimes that the guy is wrong about something. Like, there's principle, right? Like, I'm taking a stand. Now, I may think that's the wrong stand to take, but at least I know you really believe that. I didn't get the sense that he's sitting there thinking about, like, because he was like, I everybody that's vaxxed, you know, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. And everybody that's not, I'm with you too. Like, I see both sides of this thing. And I, you know, whereas, you know, there are the people that are like, 
I'm not getting the vaccine. I don't think the government should be telling us what to do. I don't think that I should have to do this. I don't believe in it. And I don't trust these pharmaceutical companies, whatever it may be, right? But you like, you got a stance on this thing. You know what I mean? Like you wholeheartedly believe either that you shouldn't have to do it or you believe that I don't trust this. I don't trust the numbers. I don't trust the media. I don't trust whatever it may be. Again, you can disagree with all of it. But you then, in my opinion, you clearly have thought a lot about it. And the reason that you're doing what you're doing is because you believe in that. And I didn't get the sense that he really believes in, like, it's almost as if when I watched it, Kev, if the guy came out and said, I'm not putting that poison in my body, then I'd be like, you know, I think it's stupid, but... Like he really, like he, like, you know what I mean? At least I know why he's doing what he's doing. I got done watching that and be like, well, then what are you so, if you're with the vaxxed and you're with the vaxxed, you don't think there's anything wrong with the people. You know, it's almost like if you came out uh, like super dogmatic about it and you were like, yo, I think it's poison. And I think all you people that are doing it and all these NBA guys, I think you're all sheep. And again, I I, I think that's all stupid, but (laughs) <laughs> it's like, all right, well, the guy's like, he's taking a stand for what he believes in, whether you agree with him or not. But I didn't even get the sense that he believes in anything all that strongly. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the complicated thing with Kyrie is what does he believe? Um, I mean, I think in listening and watching that whole thing, I am a little unclear on what exactly it is that he believes. But I think you said it right at the top there, Chris. Like, Kyrie, he himself indicated, I'm not anti-vax, I'm you know, anti-mandate. And he went into, you know, some, you know, ramblings about how, like, with the way we are nowadays in society, he says, like, you're backing people into a wall um, by, you know, telling them to do something or calling them stupid for doing something. You're backing them into a wall and thinking, he said, think about how that feels if you have fear or anxiety about something and you're getting told to do something. It, like, backs you into that wall. And, like, he's basically saying, I want people to live with more compassion. Um, the thing is, is which is noble, like, you, which is, which is, which is nice. Like you, you can, but you can live with compassion and you can still understand that the vaccine isn't the vaccine. Like, yes, <laughs> with this vaccine, it is your body, your choice. As a lot of people are saying right now. However, by taking this vaccine, you are protecting your neighbor. That's really what it's about. It's about protecting others and stopping the spread of this disease and stopping this disease from continuing to turn to something more, always having new strains of it that are infecting people again and again and again. It's about stopping it and putting an end to it. So with Kyrie Irving, I agree with so much of just his personal belief about just the way we are as people like i do believe we need to be better with other people i do believe we need to be more thoughtful i do believe like sometimes when you disagree with someone don't shout at them and call them an idiot like i i i believe that i do like Kyrie himself he he said during that he's like i've made mistakes i've said dumb stuff in the past i used to be somebody who used to try to convince others of my beliefs and now i i just try to find an understanding and it's like i respect that but 
with the vaccine, the facts are, Chris, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are all plummeting primarily because of the vaccines. 99% of the people that are in hospitals right now for COVID are unvaccinated. Vaccines are saving lives. You can believe all of what Kyrie said, and you can still look at the facts, the science of what's happening in the world today. So I get Kyrie wanting to stand up for freedom of personal choice. But as I've said on this podcast multiple times, and as Kyrie would, I would think would know, is like you need to take vaccines for so many other issues to get into elementary school, to get into college. He had to have vaccines for hepatitis and measles and polio to get into Duke. Like vaccine mandates are just not a new thing. You've had to show your proof of those vaccinations for a long time to get into college. So for Kyrie, like he can get his vaccine. He can get the card, show it wherever he needs to in New York during like going to the being having to do that is is about just protecting the people around you, dude. Like this isn't some authoritarian regime thing. That's happening here. It's about stopping a pandemic from killing people. That's killed millions of people I, already. And, and again, I don't think he really, I don't think he believes wholeheartedly in that. And it's not like he hasn't in the past had whims where he gets involved. Totally. Uh, you know, he starts thinking no, about no. this. I mean, look, you can you can type in uh, Kyrie Irving Christian, and you can find him with that very famous minister. And this whole article about him and the minister that was with uh, Justin Bieber and a bunch of the famous people. And then within a year and a half, he was fasting for Ramadan. So, I mean, I mean, this is the, and that's uh, people's faith is extremely important to them. And I'm just saying within a year and a half, he had changed belief systems completely on something like that. And so I don't I, I think he is obviously open to any and all information about anything. But as you, as, as I watched him, I didn't feel like this is a guy that is like, that's drawn a line completely in the sand. I think we're going to see him back. I think he's going to be playing basketball. I I think we are. I think at some point will too, because the fact is, is that as Kyrie continues to do all his deep research, he's going to learn that taking this vaccine, which is really a scientific miracle is not caving to the powers that be. It's about protecting yourself and those around you needing to needing to show like your proof of vaccination card when you go into a club or an arena is not about like the state taking control and needing to show some passport. It's about showing that you can protect yourself and the people around you. That's what it's about. Here's what I'd say, Kev. Um, if he, in fact, I would predict that the story does come out, that he's ready. And I'm going to, we can go back and we can replay when I told you, I think he doesn't want to do training camp. I don't think he wants to play in the preseason. <laughs> That's what I thought when I was watching him the other night. How about me? I was like, oh, because if he would have come out and said, I don't believe in this. I'm not doing this. I'm standing up for the voiceless. That ain't n- none of that's what he said. I think it's, I didn't want to do training camp. I don't want to play in the stupid preseason. I'll be there when the lights I don't come know. on. Let's see, see, I, I think he's eventually going to get the vaccine and he's going to play Nets games. Or like I said, I think the New York mandate will change. Like I, I say just, opening night. Opening night. That's, yes. that's in a couple of days. <laughs> I say he's back next know. week. That, 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 now that's a bold prediction. There, there you Chris. go. That's bold. But uh, yeah, with Kyrie, I think at some point he'll return. And just to relate this to basketball talk instead of vaccine talk, Kyrie is the type of guy that if he does eventually return, he can. He's easy to integrate back into the lineup. Like it's simple to plug him back in. Unlike we're talking about with Zion, with him, it's going to be like right away. 
he's a hooper. Like he's a guard. The way they play, bump, bumping Patty Mills down to the bench, like it's going to be simple. If at any point he comes back, if he is back next week, you can all tweet me and say, "Verno, you called your shot." And if he's not back next week, just forget I said it. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. We got 10 questions for the upcoming season. We're each going to ask each other five questions for the upcoming season that we think are going to uh, be significant things that could take place for the 2021-22 NBA season. All right. I'll start first since you've been starting every single time. Kevin? We have a bunch of coaching changes. Brad Stevens is now no longer the coach of the Celtics. It's Ime Udoka. Nate Bjorkren, no longer the coach of the Pacers. It is Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, no longer a coach of the Pacers. It is Jason Kidd. Stan Van Gundy, no longer the Pelicans coach. It's Willie Green. Steve Clifford, no longer the head coach of the Magic. It's Jamal Mosley. Terry Stotts. No longer the Blazers coach, it's Chauncey Billups. Scott Brooks, no longer the Wizards coach, it's Wes Unseld Jr. All right, so that was just a quick rundown for everybody out there of all the new coaches. There are seven new coaches in the NBA. I listed all of them and their replacements. The coach that has the greatest impact on his new team this year is... It's Jamal Mosley with the Orlando Magic. It's <laughs> Chris is leaning back in his chair right now. Oh my laughing, it's, it's looking straight up at the ceiling. Terrible. <laughs> How is it a terrible answer? You're They're asking for the greatest answer. <laughs> they are going to be awful. Yeah, but like the question was greatest impact because he didn't say greatest impact on on winning games you didn't say the greatest impact on the offensive system the greatest the greatest impact we're going if you're in orlando you're going from a coach who's like i don't i don't care about player development i hate kids oh those those little goobers i i'm not playing any young players at all you go from that to jamal mosley who's like dude i'm gonna help you turn into a great player I'm going to help you develop and turn into the player that you want to be. That's what changed in Orlando, Chris. That's why it's the answer for the greatest How did impact. You blow this. This is the easiest answer <laughs> ever. What is the answer then? It's, what is every, it? Is it, Rick, is it Rick Carlisle? Yes, his every, offensive system, all the motion and the ball movement. No, that how is, about, <laughs> no. How about the fact that everybody hated the last guy? Like there was a mutiny. They hated him. Say whatever you want about <laughs> Steve Clifford. Nobody hated his guts. They all hated him. He's getting a fight with like his assistant coach on the sideline. <laughs> it was a debacle. <laughs> they and their coach that they that left them coached in the Eastern Conference Finals for God's <laughs> sake. Like the whole thing 
was a basketball <laughs> catastrophe. And now Rick Carlisle, who by all accounts one of the best coaches we have in the NBA, takes over for a guy that not only did a terrible job, but the whole everybody hated him. Like, what are we talking about? Jamal Mosley? They might win 18 games. Uh, hey, hey, beauty on, is uh, in, in the eye of the beholder, Chris. That's all I'll I tell have you to this. say about that. Let me tell you who's not going to like your Jamal Mosley answer. Rick Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> Carlisle, uh, li- listener of the program since day one, right? <laughs> no, dude, you know, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was supposed yeah, yeah. to take over for Carlisle. Yeah, and he kind of threw him under the bus. Threw him under the bus, and then everybody was like, oh, yeah, Luca loves Jamal Mosley and whatever. Like, you had all those articles come out, and everybody was like, as soon as Rick Carlisle was gone, they're like, a logical candidate is Jamal Mosley. And, and then Rick Carlisle was like, eh, I think they should hire Jason Kidd. <laughs> yeah. That was strange. Um, Yeah. That was when, really strange. Uh, Because when you're going to walk away and you just part ways, and they're, they've already got the media promoting your assistant, and you're not vouching for him, and you're not coming out saying they should let Jamal coach this team. Maybe it'll be a different voice. He obviously has a relationship with these guys. He's got a relationship with Luca. That's who they should bring in. Instead, he named somebody that he had coached 10 years ago. You know? Kind of bizarre. So anyway, we went two different ways with that. How about that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Greatest your, impact on winning, Rick Carlisle. Greatest impact on development, Jamal Mosley. That, that's next, the way I'll say What's it. your next one? Is every um, is every topic that we talk about this year going to somehow rally no, back to Mo Bamba? I, I, I promise. I, I never uttered those words, Mo Bamba, during my answer. It's the only thing you I just said Jamal Mosley. I mean, I was also See. talking about Suggs and Fultz and Wagner and all their other young guys. They leave Wagner out. The, the Magic have a ton of young guys. Can, can we not talk about Wagner until he makes a shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll get, give him time. All give right. him time. Uh, let's uh, let let's let's start off with a with a a topic kind of the of the week here, Chris, because DeAndre Ayton said earlier this week his contract extension talks. Uh, he's disappointed, like that no deal's been done yet. He he just wants to be respected, like his peers from the 2018 class that have already gotten their max deals, and we know. It's been reported by Woj that the Suns are reluctant to offer Aiton a max. TMZ earlier this week had photos of Sarver and Aiton at a restaurant together, eating, obviously talking through this deal. Let's say, let's say the Suns don't reach an agreement. And let's say like many years ago, like Gordon Hayward in the Utah Jazz, he goes into restricted free agency, having not signed a deal, being disappointed about it. And he signs the, the offer sheet with the Hornets. Jazz matched, keep him. He leaves after that. Let's just say they don't reach an agreement. If you're general manager, James Jones, and you're, you get the vibe that Sarver is just not going to give him that money even next off season because he's cheap. Do you ride it out and still test restricted free agency anyway? Or is there a trade that maybe you're looking to make the flip eight into a team that is willing to pay him? And then you reshuffle your roster and maybe even make it better. Like, how do you play this? If you're James Jones, when Sarver is the guy not wanting to pay him all that money. Fair enough. A million percent. No on trading. Okay. A so you ride it no. out. You yes. ride it out no matter what. Okay. A million percent. No, look, the number is a lower number. If he gets an offer sheet and restricted free agency, it's a lower number than what he's asking for right now 
and what you would end up having to give him, right? Like he wants the full max and he wants the five years. Well, nobody can offer him that in restricted free agency. Now, again, you might get a disgruntled guy, but it's you've got a four years. Yeah, you've got a disgruntled guy that's under contract as an asset. And so at that point, you could make a deal if you just say this is untenable, he's not going to be happy here, whatever else. But under no circumstances do I move him while he's on this contract. There is no chance you can get the return back. I don't believe. I mean, you'd have to package so much other stuff to get a player that impacts your team the way that he could impact your team. You would have to package a bunch of stuff with it. Because even if you want to say, I don't think he's going to be a Anthony Davis or Carl Towns or whoever that top rung of guys is, and you think he's more Clint Capella, which isn't, I mean, again, Clint Capella was a starting center on a team that did great last year, right? But even if you say that, you still, you're getting a hell of a value, even if you think he's Clint Capella. I'm saying right now on this contract. So you can't, you can't move this rookie contract of his to try to go attain something. At worst, you match the offer sheet in restricted free agency, assuming anybody even offers him an offer sheet, which is probably not going to be true. But you, you uh, match that offer sheet, and then if at that point you need to move him, and then you could get, you know, now he's got a big contract and you could actually get something back in return for it. But under no circumstances do I trade a guy on a rookie contract. No way. No way. The reason why this idea came up this week, Chris, is because I was texting with an executive about it. Like, what's going to happen here? Do you, do you know anything and all that? And he's like, well, what if they just were to trade him? And and he brought up, like, why not connect with the Sixers on Simmons? <laughs> and, oh, and, and obviously, golly. Suns fans have Devin Booker, and uh, there's some relationship <laughs> trial potential there. It's like Suns, Suns fans would hate it, from what yep. I understand. Um, but like that idea was brought up, and it just got me thinking of like three way trade ideas. Oh, because because well, wait, because the Sixers wouldn't want Aiton, right? But a third team could, like you know, the Kings potentially, if they were to flip Fox or, or, you know, somebody like that, there's not a lot of combinations that make sense, but I was just trying to think outside the box and I, I just, I can't find much that makes sense. Cause that, it's exactly as you said, Chris, the money he's making now, 12.6 million, you combine that with Sarich that gets you to 20, like that opens up some new opportunities, but it doesn't get you to 30 plus for those max level guys. So I don't know, dude. I, I think Phoenix should ride this out. And I think any trade ideas or, you know, fantasies and all that are unrealistic at this point. Um, but, you know, still fun to think about. I'm, like, I think every team should be always thinking about those types of scenarios. But ultimately, DeAndre Ayton at 23 years old, the performance that we saw from him last season, the solution here isn't even to waste your time thinking about trades. The solution is to give him the money. He's turned into a great defensive player. He's turned into a great finisher at the rim, a great screener, a great rebounder, a great teammate, a great hustler, a great example on that roster. He does everything that they ask him to do at a very, very high level. And he can also potentially do more. He could do more over the next four years of that contract. He could do much more as a scorer if he's able to develop in that way. The easy solution is just to give the Andre Ayton the money. Yeah, I, uh, 
I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't gotten done. I am. But maybe I should never be surprised at any kind of business transaction with Robert Sarver's name involved. Um, Kevin, next any, question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially especially like the Porter Jr. deal could be like what we see where it's not all guaranteed. Like maybe maybe that's where the friction's actually happening. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's true based off a lot of conversations. I, I think that's probably what it is. 2020 NBA draft. We know Anthony Edwards was outstanding. We know that uh, LaMelo Ball was outstanding in their rookie years. The rest of the top 10, it would be uh, a, a real stretch to say any of them were outstanding in their rookie years. So I will ask you that. I am taking LaMelo Ball and I'm taking Anthony Edwards off the board. The other eight guys that were selected in the top 10 of last year's NBA draft were James Wiseman, Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, uh, Onyeka Kongwu, Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Avija, and Jalen Smith. Avdia. Avdia. Denny Avdia. I apologize. It's okay. Of those you're, eight guys. You're, you're, you're forgiven. <laughs> of those eight guys, which is the non-Edwards LaMelo top 10 pick that you could foresee taking a big leap in year two? I mean, my initial thought is none of them. It, when you say big leap, I think, I think like this guy becomes a major, major, you know, contributor, a guy who people around the league are watching, even if you're not a fan of that team. I think a lot of these guys right now, either the opportunity and minutes won't be there, like the case of Jalen Smith, or they're still incredibly raw, like. Killian Hayes, uh, or maybe they're just not that type of player on that type of team like Denny Avdia playing behind Beal and Didwitty. Those guys are going to handle the ball. Or maybe they're just more of a defensive-oriented player like Okoro, you know, where they're not going to be that guy who pops. So that brings me to Patrick Williams. I think if anybody of that list, he's the guy that could. And the reason why is because he like like I said with Avdia, he's behind guys who are going to handle the ball, right? But he still has that talent. Like <laughs> with, no, I'm just laughing. He's going to get to take two shots a game. But, well, well, look at I'm, who I'm, they had. But but what I'm saying is, is like he on a good team though, he can fill a bunch of different gaps. He can score when he needs to. He can hit some threes for you off the catch. He can attack closeouts. He can do that for you. Like Okoro. He's a very good defensive player on a good team with Levine, with with Ball, with all this talent. DeRozan, Williams is the guy who's the larger forward who's going to have to defend some of the opponent's best players. People are going to be watching the Bulls and they're going to see him successfully do that a lot of the times. He's also just a guy that on both ends of the floor, like I said, can step up when he needs to, whether it's defending the best player or getting a bucket here and there. I think Patrick Williams of all of them is the guy who's going to take that leap. Um, but I, I, I honestly don't think any of them are going to become some star second-year player. I don't if, he think only gets to, if he only gets to take two shots, make one of them, and you're shooting 50% from the field. I mean, in between Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, and Lonzo. So I, when, I, I mean, like, what's your answer then, Chris? I, I don't get the impression you agree with the Patrick Williams selection. No, no, no. I'm just saying I just think his opportunity is going to be so low. Yeah, I just not, don't know which of those other guys are going to have that opportunity you know you know i just well wiseman's already banged up right wiseman's already banged up yes and and like it also didn't look great so i wouldn't go i would i wouldn't lean that way and you've got guys in front of a kongwu as you mentioned 
Avidra might get more of a chance, or uh, uh, Avdia yeah, might get I more mean, of a chance. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good young player, but again, I mean, the like easy he, one's Wiseman. That's the easy one. Again, he's injured, but when he comes back playing with the Warriors, if starts to figure out more in year two, I mean, he's he's the one that should probably get real minutes or will get real. I think there's a chance that these guys are like year three, year four guys who pop. I think this, I think there's a chance the, that this top ten looks terrible in a couple of years. There's a chance, you know. We'll see. Yeah, there's there's definitely a chance. I mean, it's very possible. And we'll take it to my next question here because we were thinking along the same lines. Is so you asked about which top ten pick? How about the opposite here? Which non top ten pick for the 2020 draft class will break out this season? Ooh, I like this. Okay, so last year. Clearly, that answer would have been Halliburton, and it did end up being yep. so. Okay. If I go down there, your boy Poku had some showtime last night, by the oh, way. Did you see those highlights? Weren't yeah. they beautiful? He's don't in look there. At, don't look at the stats from his preseason. Just watch the highlights. Just watch the highlights. You know what's crazy? As you scroll down this draft, there are a bunch of awesome ones. I will give you – I'm actually going to – I'm going to say two guys, okay? Okay. And these are two guys that I think are going to uh, get a lot of minutes on – Really good teams, so they will get more attention. One team will be better than the other one, and that being the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm a huge Maxi believer. You've got that whole Simmons thing. Shake Milton, the only thing in front of him. I am, I'm a big Maxi believer. I think he is a big-time player waiting to happen, and so that's an easy answer. Tyrese Maxi, given the Simmons situation for sure, um, door opens for him with more opportunity, I believe, will come greater success. Um, and the other one, and you can call me a homer if you want, is Desmond Bain. He's going to start. He's starting on a team that's going to win games. And he has, in the summer league, they played him at point guard, so he handled the ball a lot more. Oh, and so the difference in him, as someone who watched him last year, I remember at the beginning of the season, I said, look, this kid can shoot the lights out. Stop dribbling. Now, he is drib- he's dribbling. He's playmaking. You know, he played the point guard thing. and was awesome in summer league. He has come out in the preseason, and he's been seeing dead red from three. And Grayson Allen got traded. And so he's going to start at shooting guard alongside John Morant, which is an amazing position to be in. And for a guy that can knock down open shots, you know, you have choices to make all the time with Morant. And those choices lead to a lot of open threes. And when you've got a kid that can shoot like that, so I would say Bain is a, is another logical. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to start on what's going to be a, a, a team that scores a lot of points. So I think I think you could see a real leap for him for sure. Um, I I think there's a couple. I like. You, I agree with you on Maxi for sure. Uh, Devin Vassell with the Spurs. I, I like it. I like some of the flashes and the improvements we've seen from him as a ball handler. Um, I think with Detroit, with all the ball handlers they have, I'll be intrigued to see how Sadiq Bay develops this year. I think Precious Achua now in Toronto. The opportunity there is going to be just Precious, tremendous. I covered Precious. I've covered Precious in college. Um, Thought he was in an unbelievable situation in Miami, just culture-wise. Um, it didn't take, you know, and of course they don't. He he didn't get to play very much, um, certainly during their playoff runs. But 
I think um, given the opportunity at Toronto, he's got a motor. He has got a motor. Oh, yeah, and big if, time. Can handle the ball, too, in the open yeah, floor. If he, so, if he's, so talented. If he's a guy that puts up numbers, it would be unshocking to me because yeah. if there's, like, he, he's going to get he's gonna get his nose in there all the time, you know. U- ultimately, though, like, if I'm forced to give only one response, it would have been Desmond Bain. It really would have been. I'm not just saying that to, to play to you, Chris. No, but you loved him guy. coming out of the draft. I, I, lo- I loved him in the draft, and I think what he showed, everything you said about him, like, just don't dribble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last season was true. I mean, he needed to work on that, and he very clearly did. Like, he looks like a much improved guy with the ball in his hands this preseason, and he's always been a guy who can just drain threes. Always. And I think with Desmond Bain, he, he has all the ingredients you look for in a guy who's going to be a success. He's high IQ. He hustles. He's he plays hard. He just he's decisive. You know he he's selfless and he can shoot the hell out of it. And so playing next to John Morant with the other talent on that roster, I see Desmond Bain as this type of guy who on both ends of the floor is going to make a winning impact in the in a starting five of a young team that's going to be pretty competitive. Like I'm not saying like you guys aren't some championship contender, but the Grizzlies are going to be pretty good. And Desmond Bain, I think, is going to be a significant part of that with the progress that he showed in preseason. He looked he looked dynamic. He looked better than he ever had in his years in college, and he was really good back then. So Desmond Bain is the guy that I'm gonna I'm saying is gonna start looking more like the guy who turned himself into a first round pick in the NBA four years at TCU. You're gonna see in the second year how he's gonna turn him himself into a winning player at the in the NBA for 10 plus years. That transformation is gonna happen in year two. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assists. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next one, uh, the superstar that fans and media are going to turn on this year. And I don't mean turn on like uh, they don't like the guy. I mean, turn on in the same way that you had um, Giannis resent, right? Like if you go back and look at Giannis's numbers last year, they were freaky. I mean, they were freaky again last year. Giannis was, what, fourth, I believe, in MVP voting last year? Like, he wasn't even considered for NBA, uh, for MVP in most of the discussions that people were having. And yet, to wit, he became the third player in NBA history to average 25, 10, five assists, a block, and a steal. The other two were Larry Bird and Kareem. All right, so he had a historic regular season last year, but we were over him. You know, Shelby in the playoffs, 
cool. He's won two MVPs in a row. His numbers didn't go down. In fact, his numbers were like uh, maybe down a tick on rebounding, but he was still amazing. And yet, for whatever reason, he was fourth in MVP voting last year. Like he wasn't a guy that people were going to be saying is the most valuable player on a team. And then he had that finals run again. All right. So now we'll be back on Giannis this year. Who's that guy? Who's the guy that people are like a little sick of and they're going to start to resent? So you actually already know my answer to this one, Chris, because this week we recorded a a 30 minute special that's going to air on the ringer NBA preview Palooza next Tuesday on opening night. So uh, that look for that on our social channel channels. It'll be a special episode, 10 bold predictions from the both of us. And one of my bold predictions on there is about Luca. It's about Luca because that's, that's who I said in my bold predictions that the mainstream media is going to turn on Luca this year. I predict that this is going to be the year you're going to see stuff on, you know, first take and, you know, all these shows and all, on NBA Twitter and on Reddit that Luca's not, not a winning player. He's overweight. He smokes too much. He, <laughs> he parties too much. <laughs> it's This is going to be the year that you see some of that. Cause I think with the Mavericks, they're going to be a team that's super competitive. Obviously they have an MVP candidate in Luca, but this happens to all these great star players, as you said, Chris, and this is the year expectations are higher for Dallas to, to reach a higher level, new coach, new roster. And I predict that the mainstream media is going to say, no, 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 Luca, you need to get better. This is the year that he gets that Giannis treatment, that wow. LeBron treatment. And maybe in another year, he's winning a championship. Yeah. But uh, I think this is the you year have to that be a great, now, now we're, we're couching this. You have to be a great, great player to get that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like Luca's unbelievable. Yes. Yep. Um, but I, I predict this is the year that we see that transformation happen with the media. Oh, right wow. or wrong. Right hmm. or wrong. Right Interesting. Or wrong. I mean, it's happened to a lot of guys. It happened yeah, to Steph Curry. Kidding. It happened to Giannis. They all, anything, it happened it's, to it's LeBron. It's a rite of passage in it, a way, right? It is a rite of passage, right? That somebody gets turned on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. I view oh, it as a good thing. If I'm a Mavericks fan, view it as a good thing. Leaning and lean into the hate. It's one. It, of, it, it means you're one of the best players in the world. Exactly. Yes. It's, right? a, it's a very good thing to have haters. All right. All right. What do you got? <laughs> um, which team are you hammering the under on, Chris? Oh well, we did our bold predictions, uh, and so I guess I'll spoil that one. Yeah, we'll spoil it's, one each. It's we'll the Hornets. It's the Hornets. I know people are thinking of them as uh, a sneaky problem, but I think there were some extenuating circumstances last year um, that led to their outstanding record. The East is better. They are not. Um, It's a hedge on Hayward health, which has not been able to be been counted on. And I am, you can call this silly or not, but with young teams, that still have something to prove. And you were talking about watching Memphis, or you're talking about watching Sacramento, or you're watching talking about Minnesota, or you're watching talking about Orlando or Cleveland or whatever, right? I think you can watch the preseason. You can see a lot of their young guys. Young guys don't feel the same way about preseason as veteran guys do. So when you got a like a, a young team um that's not a made team, then I'm not gonna say that they take the preseason seriously like they do the regular season, but they play 
And there's an effort there, and like they have a focus that there is something to prove this year. And I watched when I set off the alarm about Charlotte a week ago. I just watched them play against the Grizzlies, and I said, "Yo, this is something that's awry here." And then they turned around, and Borrego was pissed about that. And Terry Rozier came out and said, "They punked us out." And this is the preseason, by the way. <laughs> and what was their big response? They turned around and got beat by. Friggin' 80 points by the Mavericks. Had like 40 points in the fourth quarter, some crap. I mean, it was, it's it's alarming. Alarming. And, and I only say that, like, if you're a veteran team, you're the Lakers, you're Milwaukee, you're whoever, and you get beat in every preseason game, I don't care. I know that you really don't care about the preseason. When the lights come on, you'll be ready to go, and you're you're made men. There's nobody that's a made man on that Charlotte team. What are you doing dicking around in the preseason? So I hate it. I, 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 I and right. look, I love the announcer. Uh, that was my favorite league pass team. Charlotte fans, <laughs> y'all loved me last year. You all loved me last year. So don't hate me now. But there's something that's not right about that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And... I think it bo and I think that you have, you know, a team that was like four or five in those standings that gave a false impression of what that team is. And because, you know, Miami was down and Boston was down, and you had other teams uh that were down last year to start off that year that enabled you know, so you had you had uh, Toronto who was playing you know out of market last year. Indiana hated their coach. Um, Atlanta, you know, they uh, turned on their coach, and until they hired McMillan, didn't get it back together. And so, yet all these things add up to you guys were playing well as a team. You're playing really well. You're four or five in the standings. It gave a false impression that that's like where that team can be. And they are at best eight. I mean, that's at best eight. And it's going to be a harder year. People expect a LaMelo breakout. I will tell you as someone who covered the Morant season, you go back and look, a lot of times the second year is not the breakout for point guards. It's the third year because the first year you get to go through it. And then by the second year, everybody realizes you're good. So now you're getting guarded by bigger players. Now you're a name on the board when they're talking about how to stop the other team. And in fact, you're not only a name, you're at the top of that board. And now you have to go through a real struggle in your second year and you get to see it all. And then your third year now, if you're worth your salt, you've made your adjustments and then you're going to come back and you can break out your third year. But uh, I think it'll be a, 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 a bigger struggle for LaMelo than people think it will be in year two. And I think that they're going to blame Borrego for it, even though it's not going to be his fault. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd hammer that Charlotte under. I, th- I think it's going to be I, rough. I think, I think you brought up a good point within everything you said there about how this is a young, younger team. And that adversity makes it tougher. So I'll just I'll skip ahead to my fourth question here right, just because it relates to a contending team. So. The Lakers struggled in the preseason. They went 0-6. Some Lakers fans, they're worried that this old team could underwhelm. They saw a clunky offense that wasn't generating easy buckets, sloppy Westbrook, rusty AD. And then some Lakers fans are like, dude, 
it's just preseason. They saw the Lakers play really well when LeBron was on the floor. And so maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. So Chris, on a scale of one to five, one being not panicked at all to five being incredibly panicked, where do you land and why? Zero. <laughs> they have Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. And it's not like the old like Nash, Carl Malone bull crap from 100 years ago where they're all like... <laughs> that was old. <laughs> at the tail end. Anthony Davis is in his prime LeBron James was in the MVP conversation last year. <laughs> okay. And Russell Westbrook has got a lot of basketball left in him too. And so this is three Hall of Fame basketball players. What are we talking about? Like I could, uh, no, that the perfect example. I couldn't care less what a team does in the, <laughs> in the preseason when, when they're made, when that's their makeup. But it is of no consequence. Chris, no. I am 100% with you. Yeah, they, what, they don't care. What, they don't 100%. even care about the regular season. What? However, <laughs> I mean, what however I, I did just want to nod to some of those concerns that that fans have of one of the top teams in the oh, league. And, like saying... oppo- and opposing fans have uh, of this leading contender in the Lakers. Like it's just, it's something worth monitoring because they're going to use the regular season as their long preseason to get ready for April, May and June. Like, so it's just something to monitor. How does this team develop over the course of the year? That to me is going to be one of the more fun and interesting things to watch. I agree with you. Like how do they, how do they grow together? They may have problems. It may not be a great fit chemistry wise. That's all possible, but it ain't because they didn't give a shit about the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that is of no gauge to me. When we get to the regular season and they look like crap and they're fighting on the sidelines, if that happens, yeah. then it matters to me. Nothing with a team of that quality slash talent level matters to me regarding what they do in the preseason. Very you fair. Talk to veteran players. They don't even want to play in it. They hate it. They hate it. A lot of them do. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, Kevin. How about uh, let's talk about the Lakers, obviously, getting a lot of title bets. Um, let me ask you about the uh, NBA title and see. I'm going to give you 100 bucks, Kevin. In fact, you can use your 100 bucks wow. you want on the Wiggins bet. Oh, okay. So, so, so Bill Simmons has million-dollar bets. We have $100 bets. $100 bets. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you 100 bucks, but oh. I'm making a stipulation. You can only bet it on a team that is that has longer odds than 10 to 1. So, I will tell you that according to odds this morning, the ones that have lower odds than 10 to 1 would be Brooklyn, the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Bucks. Okay? So, everybody else has longer than 10 to 1 odds to win the championship. Uh, The Suns are 15 to 1. Clippers and Jazz and Sixers are 16 to 1, Nuggets 22 to 1, Heat 25 to 1, Mavericks 30 to 1, Hawks 35 to 1, and then everybody else would be 40 to 1 or higher. So if I gave you the 100 bucks, I said you had to put it on somebody that has worse than 10 to 1 odds. I can only pick one team or yes. can I distribute yes. my money? No, no, no. You can't distribute it. Uh, only one money? Yep. Only one team? I can't. <laughs> the hundred bucks goes on who? I can't put five bucks on, no. on the Hawks? No. 
and then 95 bucks on somebody else? Nope. It's my bucks. money, though, Chris. No, this isn't fair. I'm only giving it under the stipulation. I'm disappointed, Chris. Yeah. I'm very I'm sad. I'm not letting you ride the fence. That's why you don't like it. You, no fence riding. 100 bucks, Kevin. Hmm. One team. Let's let's go with the Denver Nuggets. Oh, I like because I like the odds. I like twenty two to one. Yeah, I like I like that number. I mean, like Utah, I'm seeing plus fourteen hundred right now. Those aren't as high as I want. I want a big return. Phoenix, Phoenix, also like the odds are good but not great. Denver, that feels very good. If I'm projecting, I I've said before, Michael Porter Jr. I'm very I'm really looking forward to this season. He has we talk about him on that Tuesday special I talked about with you uh, earlier. Murray back, um, right? By that you time. You get Jamal Murray back at some point. This is a deep team. Bones Highland as a rookie. Bowl, very bowl. Very, I mean, Denver feels like a, <laughs> a a good team to me. They've been through it. They're gonna get a guy back who, like, again, tying this to the Kyrie and and Zion conversation. Murray is an easy guy to get back into this team, and that's partially because of Jokic. Like anybody can come in and out, and, ha- and, and, and you know it's what? simple. Haven't really seen them with the Jokic, Murray, Gordon, Porter, Gordon, Gordon. Now with a full summer, a full training camp with this roster, Denver to me feels like the team that is a great bet. Of the non-favorites. I, okay. I would the take great the great bet. The one right after them is the one I would take, which is the Heat. I think that's a good bet. one, too. It's a yeah, talent. It's a, it's three yeah. all-stars in your starting lineup. Yep. I mean. Yep. That's a know. good one, too. Well, who's who's like, when I, when, when I was thinking about this, like, who's like the team you would bet the, like the lowest odds on? Like, is it the Knicks? I'm seeing them plus 10,000. Is it, you know, the Blazers plus 8,000? Is it like... Like, who's the team you would feel comfortable betting even a dollar on? You know? Like, that's what I was thinking about originally as you were asking it. Like, who would I put five bucks on? Yeah, just five bucks. Uh, why not? You know? Yeah, that I think could win. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think the Blazers yeah, five would. Uh, the Blazers is a reasonable one to me simply because of a lot of reps as a team. If they do keep big, it all big together, move potential, right? Might make big a move big potential. move. Might yeah. make a big move, but I mean, could you could see Damian Lillard being the best player on a floor for three consecutive playoff rounds? That could happen. No one matter turn, who the one opponent turned is. ankle from they went to a yeah. Western Conference Finals before. Like for yeah. all the criticisms that I have of that team and how stinky I think their defense is going to be again, <laughs> their defense is going to be bad. Well, I think he's but, the, he wouldn't he be the answer. Damian Lillard. They still have a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he would be the answer to the best player that's on a long odds yes, team. Exactly. Right? So I, I think that's. I think that's fair. Uh, Portland, um, that, that's about as low as I'd go when it comes to the odds here, I think. All right. Uh, all right. My last one. Uh, the team you predict you will watch much more on League Pass than you did last year. So this was for most people, including myself, uh, last year, Charlotte. You know what I mean? I found myself watching Charlotte totally. all the time last year. I think there's two obvious answers. The Bulls, with all the young talent that they have on their team and all the veteran talent that they added on top of it, they're going to be more competitive and fun to watch. We talked about the Grizzlies earlier. That'd be the other obvious candidate. I think they're going to be awesome to watch all season long. Gun to be, There's no gun to my head right now, Chris. I swear. It's the Raptors. 
Oh my and, god! And, 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 I swear, Wait, to you, dude. You know what? I'm not you're being not threatened using, by Canada. No, you're not using a background. Are you in a room in Canada yeah, right I, now? I swear, I swear to you. I think Justin, you're in a Canadian Justin basement. Trudeau does not, dude, you're in Trudeau a Canadian does not have basement. a gun to my head right now. This is a this is ridiculous. You are in a Canadian basement somewhere. <laughs> Who is holding uh, you hostage for this Raptors talk? And, <laughs> Unbelievable. Don't they get enough dude, Chris, with like Jay? Chris, Chris, don't they get enough I, with I, Taz Mellis and Jay Skeets? Okay. Like Taz and Skeets. They they talk all kinds of Raptors. Give me that Raptors here, news. Here's my theory, Chris. I believe I was I was targeted because over the last two, three months, they've heard me on this podcast saying things such as like, I don't know, Chris, I like the Raptors. I think they could be pretty oh, good. I'll be, and I was targeted. <laughs> now they're holding you hostage. I was targeted by Raptors Twitter because I displayed a little bit of optimism about no. this team. And, and uh, uh, Chris, I'm dead ass. No. I'm serious here, dude. They're, they, why do you not believe me? I don't get it. Uh, this is it's the campaign. The campaign the is working. Yes, you are. You are in a Canadian basement. No. The Raptors, dude, you talked about Precious Achua earlier. Oh glowingly. my God. I watched him play his whole college career. I don't need OG to turn on league pass. Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, Gillespie, Boucher. They have so many fun players to watch. They can play five guys that are six, seven or taller and switch across positions. Mm. This team can get funky. They can be competitive. They can play with defense. They can, I don't know. They can play so many different styles. They have some vets to throw in. Dragic with Van Bleed, play with two guards, play big, play small. The Raptors to me are going to be one of the teams that I turn on league pass the most. Okay. 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 Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> It's usually for me, if I'm being honest, it's either a team that plays late or a team that plays early. Okay. And now as I've gotten older, the 930 games are less likely if I'm being honest. You know, that's always the when you're watching the Kings and you're watching some of these late games, okay, for lead pass teams. Um, so I try to find these East Coast teams that I'm in the central time zone. So they start at six. So I can watch the first hour before I watch, you know, either the Grizzlies come on or whatever other games are coming on at seven o'clock. So to to me, it's Cleveland. That's That's the one I will watch the most of. Of course, you know, I love J.B. Bickerstaff. I know him well. He's the coach there. Um, But that's if he had a rat team, I wouldn't be watching it. I, I, I love I love Sexton and Garland. The Mobley thing is mega fun. I like Jared Allen. Like, I just, they got a lot of fun players that I like. Yeah, I, I they like do. that answer, Chris. Until they bring like in a that. disgruntled Kevin Love and he throws the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. That's annoying. And then, then you turn off and go back to then the, I turn know, some it other off. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're done. But let me, uh, let me ask you about a player you love. Final question here, Chris. I wrote a huge feature today on the ringer.com about Rudy Gobert. Oh, for God's uh, sake. Uh, you're <laughs> really. For, <laughs> Are you getting this all out before the season starts? Four thousand five hundred words about what? The, yeah, I, <laughs> you wrote freaking uh, Moby Dick about yeah. uh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, so talk to talk to Rudy Gobert a number of times. This, this story was originally supposed to go during the playoffs. Did you interview um, Bill Russell? 
for the, for the for, did you interview Bill Russell for the article? No, I did not. Uh, um, but shame. I talked with Rudy, talked with his mom, who's awesome. Uh, talked with a lot of people from you his talked past. to Rudy Gobert's mom? Yeah, it's a okay. feature story. It's oh, about okay. him. And oh. so the article's about Gobert, but it's really about the desire to get better and battle through adversity. Like that's really what it's about. Mm. So with, with this jazz team, they've had a lot of losses, five straight, you know, two times losing in the first round, three times in the second round jazz fans this year. They are, they're optimistic. They're optimistic because of the changes. Rudy Gay replacing Derek favors. There's more versatility, more shooting on the roster. You got Hassan Whiteside if you need to play a big behind Gobert, but you don't have to play him. Jared Butler, rookie who you liked, looked great in preseason. Hassan Whiteside is awful. I'm not. I I just said you don't need to play him. Like they're going to play more small, but they have like a big body if they need a big body. Mitchell gets better every year. Gobert thinks he's going to be getting better. But you've been one of his many skeptics over the years and, and with the way he's been neutralized in the playoffs, undeniable. What I'm asking you, Chris, is what do you need to see from him or the Jazz as a whole as a team during the regular season to believe it could be any different for them in the 2022 playoffs? What is it you need to see? There's nothing I can see. There's nothing. The, come on, no. dude. There, come on. There's no, got to be During something. the regular season? This is a. This was the best regular season team. They were the number one seed for God's sake, yeah, Kevin. But I know, but like you still had doubt. What what can get rid of some of that doubt? No, it has to be done. I mean. It has to be done on the biggest stage. That's what has to happen. I mean, that's the same thing we did with Giannis. It so, ha- so for it, the Jazz, like there's nothing at all. No, the season you're just going to can show. You're not going to believe it, it's in all them. about the playoffs. You're not going to believe in them as a playoff team until no, not they even make like you. Not even Mitchell taking a leap. Not even Gobert. He being, did. You know. I know, but another leap. Like, not even Gobert getting even 35 points a game? I mean, I'm saying another leap. Like, more efficient. Two, three points more for a game. Looking even more dynamic. Like, there's nothing you can see to feel like, oh, I don't know. This Utah team, I think this is the year. There's nothing. I would say, okay. All right. I know you really want an answer. Yeah. Okay. There's got to be something. I would say that show me that you could be awesome small. Okay. With him on the bench. They are an amazing regular season team with him on the court. Everybody acknowledges that. They are amazing regular season team with him on the court. And it matters greatly whether he's on or off the court. I see the numbers all the time, right? Okay, let's have that not matter, right? So that when the team does... When push comes to shove, and they're going to force, they're going to play them off, or you're going to have to choose. You've got a choice to make. Can you still be awesome when he's not out there? You know, how much of your greatness hinges upon his availability on the court? Because what makes you awesome also becomes your Achilles heel. And so, can you be awesome without? him on the court. That would be my answer. It is not can you be super awesome with him on the court and he gets even better offensively. There's these teams that are going to stretch you out completely and they're going to play small and they're going to get the pace up. And so I think there's, you know, I, I, I think you're I think you're wishing for fool's gold if you're thinking he's going to become a Jokic or an Embiid or somebody that you could throw the ball to and get a bucket. Um that's not going to be so, but can you can you play small and be outstanding? Um, 
against the teams that will inevitably play small against you. That that's a great answer, Chris. There and I'm go. glad I pushed you because I, I think I, I I really do. I think it's a great answer. The the Jazz have been a dominant force with Gobert on the court in the regular season for five years now. And they've been below average without him on the court. You know, Absolutely. statistically, like they've just been below average. In the playoffs, they've been average with him on the floor, and they've been like below average with him off the floor. You're saying they need to have a way to shape shift and be something else. Yes. I think that's fair. I yep. do. Yeah, that's what you got to have that other weapon, that other thing you can go to. If in certain series, you know what, like the way like the Jazz at their best are with Rudy Gobert, but there's certain series where maybe that's not the case or that at certain points in the game, you need to change who you are. I think that's fair. But I also think like some of the roster changes and Mitchell getting better, that does make a significant difference too. like you can't rule out Mitchell getting even more dynamic as a player. He has every year of his career going back to college. Louis, no, you know, I love him. You're not going to, no, no kidding. I'm yeah. not, I'm never putting a ceiling on that kid. No, uh, me neither. For sure. Uh, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. We got the NBA season starting next week. We will do our prediction show on Tuesday leading up to the NBA season. Thank you to our executive producer, Sasha shall as always. And we will talk to you next week. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Everybody.